As you noticed when you came in this morning, the pulpit is away today. We have the communion table up, and what we are going to be doing is celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning. In the past, uh, we've had guest speakers come in, and uh, through the season of the year in the summer, we have our summer series with guest speakers. Well, today, Stephen's been asked to be a guest speaker, and he's in the state of Ohio speaking this morning. It gives us an opportunity this fall to dedicate an entire service to doing a remembrance, what God has asked us to do around the Lord's table. As we read Scripture together, we're going to read it aloud together from 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to ask you to read with me verses 9 and 10, and then verses 21 through 25. So would you read with me, please, as we turn to 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin, and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me, please, if you'd like to follow along in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and what we are going to do this morning is do our communion service in two parts. We'll have a brief message dealing with the first of the elements, the bread. Then we will come back and we will partake then of the juice. We will speak briefly about that just before that as well. Our emphasis today is on the fact that we should deeply appreciate Christ's promise given to us. I'm going to begin reading in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As we come to this ordinance, this is not an act... It is not a sacrament, an act of grace. This is something we do in memorial. And so it is an ordinance, a rite that we continuously do to remember. And it's, as we said, in two phases today, Paul would write in verse 23, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When we come to this table this morning, we have an object lesson that the Lord himself instituted at that last supper. 
And Paul would write and describe for you and for me in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 the meaning behind this. And each time we come, we are to observe with some truths in mind. The first of those is that this ordinance, this occasion is a memorial. And you and I know that any time we speak of a memorial, we're speaking of something that reflects back, a reminder of the past. It's a reminder to you and me of the cost of our salvation, of that redemptive work of Jesus Christ through His broken body and shed blood on the cross. Remember the words that we read in Matthew 26 while they were eating, Jesus took some bread and after blessing He broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And when He had taken a cup and given thanks, He gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you, for this is the blood, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. What Christ was telling them is threefold, that first of all, His blood would bring cleansing. This is my blood of the covenant. Just as the Passover blood of the Lamb was sprinkled on the doorposts while they were in Egypt, and then that death angel would pass over during that time, those, that occasion of those plagues in Egypt, and Moses then would deliver the people out of Egypt. The Passover lamb, picture of atonement. Or as Leviticus 17 would say in verse 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make cleansing atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement. And as Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. Christ's blood then, my blood of the covenant, brings cleansing. In Christ's blood, he would say, when he gave them that, those words that night, which is poured out for many, tells us that his blood substitutes, and substitutes fully, which is poured out for many, tells us something really important, that salvation is necessary for all. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that is why his life was given it was poured out, literally, the term means to give up, sacrificially as a lamb because of sins, for the benefit of, because of, we needed it. Salvation is necessary for all, and it is possible for all. He says it is poured out for the many. He would taste death for all, Hebrews 2.9 says. You see, Christ's blood brings cleansing. It substitutes fully. It secures pardon for the forgiveness of sins, Jesus said. For the forgiveness, in order that, for the purpose that, sins would be forgiven. In other words, this is why I will die. And when you come to the Lord's Supper, we are to remember that. It is a memorial of what has taken place already for you and for me. And it is also a symbol, not just a memorial, but a symbol, something that speaks to you and me today, presently, about this relationship that's in existence right now. We use bread. We use wafers, actually, and that's what we will be distributing in a few moments. Bread. As bread in that day was the staple of their diet. And Jesus spoke about that lengthy 
In John 6, we have verses 48 through 63 where Jesus speaks about, I am the bread of life. And we're told here to use bread and to do this regularly, continually, as often as you do this in the continual sense. In verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 11, we are symbolizing something. Just like bread was the sustaining staple of the diet in the culture of that day, Jesus is in us, sustaining us, nourishing us spiritually, keeping us continually. The Holy Spirit of God alive within us, speaking of our sanctification. An occasion then is a symbol. This occasion is also a prophecy, a memorial of the past, a symbol of that present relationship, and then a prophecy. For we read here in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. A little phrase here that speaks of a future return of Christ for us. He said the next time he would eat it with us would be in the future kingdom. Matthew 26, 29, Jesus said, But I say to you at that last supper, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Every communion service we are proclaiming that we believe in the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? It could be today. A memorial, a symbol, and a prediction, a prophecy, I am coming. And as we come to the table, and we have this new covenant, this promise, this binding agreement in my blood, using a formula from way back in Exodus 24 of the covenant making symbol in which the people heard the word of God. And then you read in verses 1 through 8 of Exodus 24 where Moses then, before the people, slayed a lamb and sealed the deal. Jesus Christ made an agreement and he sealed the promise with his blood. In the very same formula he used, this is the blood of the covenant from Exodus 24, 6 through 8. This is the blood of the covenant. You have my word. You have my life to bind it. And so we have a promise, God's word on it, giving us his body, his life as surety that our sins are forgiven. That ought to cause us to celebrate as we partake. All that to say that if you are a child of God, and if you aren't one, by the way, as you sit here, when the elements are passed, what you need to do is to bow your heart, your head before the Lord in the realization that the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of those sins is death, eternal separation in an eternity that no one here would want. Hell. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. As many as receive him, to them God gives the power, the authority to become sons of God, children of God. And whosoever then will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can know today your sins are forgiven because of the finished work on Calvary if you ask Jesus Christ who died in your place and you realize that. Forgive me. Please apply that blood to me. I ask that you save my soul. If you are a child of God, if you've prayed that, if not, you need to pray that while you sit here. And if you have identified yourself as a child of God in public confession, that means in, over there in that baptismal pool, you have pictured the death, burial, resurrection of Christ on your behalf. And you've united in that death, burial, and resurrection. And you followed him in that first ordinance that happens once in our lives after we get saved. Then now in this ordinance, if you are in right fellowship with him, meaning your sins you've confessed and you're walking with the Lord, then please participate. As the bread is passed, the deacons will come in a few minutes and they'll distribute the bread. And while they're doing that, we sing. And then you'll hear the piano playing. And what you ought to do is you think of the words even of that song before that. But then when the piano plays, just before we eat the bread, you ought to just bow your head right there, right where you're seated. And you spend two minutes alone with the Lord, just searching your soul and that relationship you have with Him and that walk you have with Him, get alone with God even here in prayer and meditation. Just bowing our heads as the piano plays. But right now, we're going to ask the deacons to come for, we read in the Word of God, and having taken some bread when He had given thanks, He broke it, and He gave it to them. And having taken some bread when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of life that we have because of the payment that was made through the shed blood of giving himself sacrificially as a lamb, the Lamb of God, on our behalf. And because it was the Lamb of God, God of God, very God, our Lord Jesus Christ who paid the price of our sins, we rejoice this morning that they are paid fully. We thank you, Lord, we have eternal life. We thank you, Lord, for the gift. Cause us not to take it for granted. Cause us in a service like this to remember the great price, but then to rejoice that our sins are forgiven forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Years ago, I purchased a plaque to keep it in my office. The words struck me could never get over them, and you've seen it before too. 
the expression, I asked Jesus, how much do you love me? He stretched forth his hands this much. We come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 now, and the second part is we prepare to receive the cup. When we understand the concept of covenant promise, that ought to motivate us to do what Paul encourages the Corinthians to do in verses 27 and following, and that is to demonstrate our thanksgiving to the Lord for what is what he has done. What do we mean by that? Well, as we come to the communion table, we ought to first of all have a heart of appreciation. For in verse 27 it says, Therefore whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That expression, an unworthy manner, does not have the slightest reference to the unworthiness of the person who comes to the communion table. And the bottom line is it's because all of us are unworthy of what Jesus Christ did for us. We did not deserve it. But God commended his love toward us and while we were yet what? Sinners. It doesn't speak about us. It speaks about us in our manner of participation. You see, the adverb, an unworthy manner, describes how we should eat and drink here today. Therefore, I should not approach the Lord's table lightly or with any sort of frivolous spirit. What do you think about when the elements are passed? Cracker, juice, thinking about that. Do you remember the Lord's body broken for you? Too often we transgress, it seems, the way the Corinthians say, well, actually we don't, praise the Lord, do what they did. What they had done is taken the agape feast, a love feast, an opportunity for them as a body to gather together, and when they would come and they would actually have a meal, something like we do on our Wednesday evenings, but they would come together and they would celebrate and then they would do the Lord's Supper after that occasion. But when they came for the meals, it was sort of bring your own foods. Some of them were people of means and could bring much. Some of them, when they came, they used it as a celebration to the extent where they were bringing their wines and they were becoming intoxicated. And Paul is condemning that. They weren't focusing on what is really important, this table. They were thinking only of their physical needs. So he addresses that in chapter 10. He addresses that in chapter 11 because they were doing it in an unworthy manner. They were making light of the occasion. It ought to be a time of some serious meditation. And it ought to be a time of profound thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, the Greek word for thanksgiving is eucharistio. We get our English word eucharist from it. And that's what this is. This is a thanksgiving occasion. It's an occasion then where we spend time thanking the Lord, thinking about what he has done for us. I should appreciate then in my attitude of Christ's sacrifice for me. And by the way, it is on display, for this passage says that God sees my heart. This is serious business to him. Not that it's so somber, but it should be serious. An opportunity to appreciate and to say that. And it doesn't take but a few seconds to do that. It can be a very quick prayer, but a meaningful prayer from our hearts. So it's a time of heartfelt appreciation. 
It's also a time of personal examination. In verses 27, 28 and following, he says these words, But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we would judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Two truths in regards to an examination. The first is that every one of us here, every man, woman, boy, child participating in this, should examine your relationship with the Lord. Am I rightly related? But secondly, everyone should examine our walk with the Lord. Are you right then in this ongoing, continual relationship? Failure to examine yourself, Paul says, brings judgment. The elements themselves are not that valuable. They're just crackers and juice. But what they symbolize is extremely important to the Godhead. Because we are using this as a reminder of profound spiritual truths. The body of the Son of God, the shed blood of the Lamb of God. So therefore, it tells us we would be guilty if we did not examine ourselves. Greek enikos, the idea of liable to a charge of action of the law, drinking judgment to him who does not do it rightly. So as the elements are passed, just an opportunity, a reminder time of some heartfelt confession. I trust you've done that. I trust you'll even continue to do that. But it also is a time not only of heartfelt appreciation and personal examination, but it is also a time of brotherly, sisterly consideration. Verse 33, so then, notice these next words, my brethren, when you come together, there's commonness going on here, brethren in a family coming together in common, wait for one another. And then he goes on and speaks about that you're hungry, do that at home. This is more important. You see, the communion service ought to strengthen the fellowship of Colonial Baptist Church. This is a unifying ordinance. The Corinthians obviously didn't comprehend that. You see, the term communion used back in chapter 10, verses 16, 17, talking about joint participation, partners, those of us who have a common bond with each other, we call ourselves in brothers, sisters in the Lord. It's a strengthening time. The church practice, if you remember, and we've spoken about that in the past at our communion services, they would take bread as a loaf and pass that among themselves. And as it came before them, they each would tear off a portion of the loaf, symbolizing that I am part of this body. And as I partake individually, I am part of a larger body. And we use small crackers that are part of a, and have been formed from a large, large sheet for you and me to comprehend that we are part of this body, a living body. I'm conscious then of our oneness, that relationship. And as a result, then the communion service ought to cause us to edify one another, build us up. As we are concerned about spiritual matters in our relationship to one another. 
And that's what Paul is driving home here. If you sit here this morning and we claim to be in commonness and sincere fellowship, but at the same time, if you know there's any bitterness or any anger or ill will between you and a brother or sister, even in our own families, or between someone here in our church body, then what you and I are being stimulated to do this day is to go to that brother or sister, fellow member, and talk to them privately, maybe by phone call, maybe by arranging to meet in the hallway, and just say, I need to ask you forgiveness. And you need to be right with each other. Would you forgive me? in the Lord and confess and deal with those things and work on that relationship hard but that's what all this judgment stuff is about so it's a wonderful stimulus then of brotherly consideration of personal examination but ultimately of heartfelt appreciation thank you Lord and as the song said I love you I love you what you've done. It's a privilege to participate. Let's do it with a heart of thanksgiving. Praising the Lord as you sit here then. I trust that the service is a wonderful time between you and the Lord. Make it a wonderful time between you and with other brethren, brothers and sisters as well. What we're going to do in a moment is invite the deacons to come to distribute that fruit of the vine which symbolizes shed blood for Jesus said and when he had taken a cup and given thanks he would give it to them and so gentlemen if you'd come please and when he had taken a cup and given thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant which is to be shed on behalf of many for forgiveness of sins our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can sit here forgiven in Jesus Christ. And Father, we know because of the promise we have in Him that we will one day stand before you complete in Thee. So Father, we thank you as we gather around this table for all that we have through the finished work of Calvary. We rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen. Trust God will give you a great day. Thank you for being here. God bless you as you serve Him throughout the day.